So if you have your Bibles, turn with me um, this morning to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Um, I trust you're filling out your connection cards. You'll drop them off with your offering. Those of you in the sanctuary on your way out. Uh, again, welcome to those of you who are online with us. And we trust today's service will, is a blessing to you as well. And so Joshua chapter 4, we're continuing our series of messages from the book of Joshua in, entitled Stepping into a New Day. Stepping into a New Day. And this morning, you can see our message is entitled Stopping at Gilgal. From Joshua chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 19. We're going to go down into chapter 5. So I ask you to follow along with me. So the Bible says the people came up out of the Jordan, that is out of the Jordan River, on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Go with me to chapter five, verse number two. And at at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after on, on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all of the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And so the Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And Joshua and the Lord said to Joshua, today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Verse 10. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jordan. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today, and I pray that you would use it, God, to speak into our lives today. Give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to us this morning, and we'll be sure to give you all the honor and the praise, and in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You know, we all live in a culture that doesn't like to slow down and wait. 
We hate sitting in traffic. Amen? We hate waiting on lines at the grocery store. We hate sitting in the doctor's office waiting to be called. Sometimes I can't even wait for the microwave to finish the time that I set on it. Right? Oh, there's two more seconds. Dang, cancel. We want to keep moving. We don't, want, we don't like to sit still. We don't want to wait. But maybe, just maybe, God wants to say to someone today, wait. Just wait a minute. You need to take a break. It's time for you to stop, to regroup, to evaluate, to prioritize. Before you move any further in life, you need to make sure the details of your life are in order. You see, there are times in our lives when God says to us, before you move ahead with your life, before you step into your new day, you need to stop at Gilgal. You see, it must have been an exciting day for the Israelites as we talked about it last week. But as the Israelites and and, and the priests with the ark on their shoulders stepped into the Jordan River and the waters rolled back, dry ground was exposed and the whole nation was able to cross over from one side to the other. They finally found themselves in the promised land. As we saw last week, God did something amazing for his people. And so I can only imagine how excited the people must have been. They, 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 they must have been pumped. They were ready to go and take the land. They were ready to knock down some walls. They were ready to defeat the enemy and take hold of that, of, of all that God had promised to them. They were ready to get on with life. No more wandering in the desert. The promised land was theirs. They were ready to step into their new day. Can't you just hear them? Let Let's go, Joshua. Let's get to it. God is with us. We can't lose now. Let's go take the city. Let's go take the land. But Joshua says, nope. Wait. He says, we have a few things to do before we take possession of the land. We've got to stop here at Gilgal. You know, as we've been looking looking into the book of Joshua and talking about stepping into our new day, we've seen that God has for each of us a land that is a place of purpose, of fruitfulness and blessing. He wants us to know the abundant life, the spirit-filled life, and to live out the good works that he has planned for us. He wants to lead us into that place wherein we might say, yes, old things have passed away and all things have become new. Don't you want that life? You see, sometimes we, like the Israelites, before we move any further in our lives and in the things that God has prepared for us, we're called to wait, to stop, to slow down, to take some time at Gilgal. And as we look at our text this morning, I want us to take note of three things that the Israelites did at Gilgal. And as we look at those, I want us to see why it's so important that there would be times throughout our lives When before moving on to the next step of life, before we conquer the land, before we pursue our dreams or accomplish God's call, that we would take the time to stop at our own personal Gilgal. And the first is this. The first thing we see is that Gilgal is a place of remembrance. For notice, they set up a memorial at Gilgal. I don't know where Brother Fred is or someone. It feels like the air conditioning is just running a little too high here. I see the congregation getting chilly. I'm even getting chilly up here, okay? (laughs) 
But Gilgal is a place of remembrance. They, they set up a memorial. And if you go back to the beginning of chapter 4, you read that after the whole nation had crossed over or crossed through the Jordan, while the priests were yet in the middle of the river with the ark, Joshua sent 12 men, one from each tribe, back into the middle of the river bed to bring out a stone. And once they had done so, the priests too came out and the waters began to flow. And with those 12 stones, Joshua built a memorial there at Gilgal. Why did Joshua do this? Well, for one, I believe the building of this memorial would help them. It helped them slow down enough to consider or we could say to chew on what God had done. I mean, the impact of what had just occurred needed to settle in. The people needed time to process the great miracle, the amazing thing that God had just done on their behalf. After all, as now as they looked at the river, they saw that it was flowing once again at flood stage. And yet they knew in their minds that only a short while ago they had been on the other side. Just a, just a, a, a little bit ago, the river had stood before them as a major obstacle. But now here they were on this side with stones in their hands, stones that had come from the riverbed itself. By taking the time to build a memorial, the people were forced to just naturally soak in the great, the amazing thing that God had just done for them. But secondly, the building of this memorial would help them in years to come remember what God had done. Throughout the book of Joshua, Gilgal was used as a home base. It was a place to which they would return time and again. And it was a place to which they would come, whether after a great victory or after a defeat. And as they would come back to Gilgal, they would see the memorial and thus be reminded of what God had done for them here in this place. What God had done for them with the Jordan. You see, this memorial would remind the Israelites for years to come of the power and presence of God at work among them. It would be a tool to strengthen their faith in God. It would remind them of their need for God. It would speak to them of the fact that they served a God who acted in a miraculous way in the past and thus could act in such a way in their present and in their future. And finally, the building of this memorial was meant to help them pass on the memory of what God had done for them to their children. For Joshua knew that what God had done for this generation needed to be recounted to future generations. What God did in one generation needed to be passed on to each succeeding generation. Why? Because by doing so, the generations would be united in their faith and anchored in their worship. Karen read it at the beginning of the service from Psalm 145 about telling the works of God to the next generation. Church, how important is that? How important is that? Can I just step from my sermon here for a minute and say, parents, you have a task, and that is to pass on your faith to your children. And when everything else in life becomes more important so that you don't even have time to get them out to a Sunday school class or a youth night or whatever it is, Listen, something is going to go astray. Grandparents, you have a task to help your children pass the faith on to their children. We as a church, we have a great task to pass the faith on 
to our kids, to our grandkids. And even if they're not ours biologically, they are ours spiritually. Are they not? Are they not, church? Right? We, each of us, we have a responsibility. This memorial was set up specifically so that the future generations would come to understand and know the work of God. And as we experience the work of God in our lives to save us, to fill us with his spirit, to work miracles on our behalf, to help us win battles and so forth, it's so easy for us to get excited and so full of zeal that we just want to jump into the next step of life. But sometimes we need to be careful not to move ahead too quickly. For if we do, we may fail to comprehend and appreciate all that God has done for us. If we move too soon, we may quickly forget the magnitude of what God has done in our lives. So you know what? I invite you this morning to think of the day. Just pause. Think of the day that you came to know Jesus in a personal way. Or maybe think of the day that you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Think of the day that God restored your family. Or that God healed you of that disease. Have you taken time to chew upon the amazing things God has done in your life? Maybe you need to do something tangible that will help you remember. Something to which you can return later on. A little bookmark in your Bible maybe. or right, Whatever it might be. And are there not ways in which you can pass on such memories to your children, your grandchildren, the generations to come? Do you know, when we receive the elements of the Lord's table each month, it's like we've come to our memorial at Gilgal. You know that? It's meant to help us pause to chew upon what Christ did for us on the cross and his great work of salvation. It's to help us remember all that God has done for us through the giving of his son Jesus all the way to the cross as we receive the bread and the cup. And as our children sit with us, we are teaching them and showing them what God did through the giving of his son Jesus. We're passing on to the next generation. Listen, next week when we come to receive the elements of the Lord's table, may it be a Gilgal moment for us. Amen, church? A Gilgal moment for us. But sometimes we need to take time at Gilgal to build a memorial to reflect and remember the great work of God in our lives. But secondly, we find that Gilgal is a place of consecration. For notice they were circumcised at Gilgal. They were circumcised at Gilgal. Let me say, the, the, the scripture here is pretty blunt, especially the Old Testament, but even, even the Apostle Paul. Sometimes the Bible can be really blunt, okay? And, and it's kind of like hard for us. Because it says that the, the place where, where, where they did this was called Gibeath Haraloth, which, which in my Bible, there's, there's a note there, and I've seen it elsewhere. It means the hill of foreskins. I know I'm not supposed to say that from the pulpit, but it's in the Bible, you know? It's just that you don't know Hebrew, right? <laughs> See, they were circumcised at Gilgal. The circumcision, circumcision was meant to be the sign that these were God's people of people living in covenant relationship with God. But as we read, during the 40 years of wandering, the Israelites failed to circumcise their baby boys. For whatever the reason, they discontinued the practice. But now, here at Gilgal, with this new circumcision, it it was as if their covenant, the covenant was being renewed. And what's described in these verses is not a very pretty sight. 
Think of it, a whole nation of boys and men being circumcised all at once. I wonder how they reacted when word went out. All males are to be circumcised today. I know, you don't even want to think about it, guys, right? But again, they they just crossed over into the promised land. They were ready to celebrate. They were ready to move forward. But instead, they found themselves under the knife and in pain. And for the next three days, they would be sitting around waiting to heal. But notice God's words in verse 9. Today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. See, the word... Gilgal, it sounds like the word circle or roll in the Hebrew, referring really to the rolling back of the foreskin. But because of their act of consecration, God was rolling away the stigma of slavery. God was at work to make them into a new people, to take them into a new day. Old things were rolling away and everything was becoming new. It's it's an amazing thought what God's saying to them. You see, circumcision represented their separation from the nations around them. By means of their circumcision, they showed that they were not the same as the rest of the world. They were a different people. Through circumcision, they were saying, listen, we're different from the Egyptians, from the Hittites, from the Amorites, from the Canaanites. We don't live the way they live. We don't serve the same gods they serve. The cutting of their flesh represented the renunciation of a life that was once lived according to the societal, cultural, and religious ways of the people around them. And now now they're separating themselves from those people. And circumcision, more than that, it represented their consecration or their dedication to God. For by circumcision, the Israelites show they belong to Yahweh, not to any other God, but to Yahweh. He was their God and they were his people. Circumcision was the physical evidence of their spiritual relationship with the God who had created them, called them, redeemed them, and brought them into this land. It was their way of saying, yes, God, we pledge to be in relationship with you and you alone. We pledge to live as your people. We covenant to be your people and to worship no other gods but you. Circumcision their separation from the world around them, their dedication to God. Listen, Gilgal is a place of consecration. It's a place at which we slow down enough to assess our lives and see what things need to be cut out. It's a place wherein we dedicate ourselves to living as God has called us to live, to living our lives separated from sin and wholly dedicated to the one who created us, who called us, who redeemed us. And has brought us into a place of blessing. It's a place wherein we check to make sure there's nothing in our lives that is hindering the work of God in us and through us. But you see, Gilgal can be a place of pain. For there may be some things in your life and mine that need to be cut out. Jesus talked about it, didn't he? Right? If your eye is causing you to sin, pluck out your eye. If your hand causes you to sin, cut off your hand. The book of Hebrews talks about getting rid of anything that might trip you up as you as you run this race of faith. And maybe before you move into the next phase of life that God has for you, maybe you need to stop at Gilgal and be circumcised anew in your heart. Maybe you need to experience the pain of cutting away some things in your life that hinders God's work in you. Maybe you need to take the time to rededicate yourself to God, saying, Lord, I am yours. I give my life to to you to live as you want me to live, to live according to your ways, to accomplish your purposes, to serve you and to serve you alone. 
Listen, it says we go through the pain of Gilgal, that God is able to work in our lives to renew us, to roll away the old and bring about the new. Throughout our lives, each of us needs to stop at Gilgal time and again to make sure there's nothing in our lives that will hinder the work of God and his purposes for us. Because I want to tell you, God really wants for you. He wants for me to be able to say, yes, old things have rolled away and everything has become new. But sometimes we need to stop at Gilgal. We need to go to that place of consecration. And so Gilgal, was a, it was a place of remembrance. It was a place of, of consecration. Finally, Gilgal is a place of worship. For we read about it. They celebrated the Passover at Gilgal. Now, the last time the Israelites had celebrated the Passover was at the Mount of Foot Sinai, uh, the foot of Mount Sinai, almost 40 years prior. In fact, without the circumcision of the men, they weren't allowed to celebrate Passover. However, once circumcision had been done and the covenant had been renewed, the people could then freely enter into the worship of the Passover feast. And once they had celebrated Passover, they could then move ahead to take the land. There's two lessons, I believe, here for us this morning. The first is this. Consecration must precede worship. Let me say that again. Consecration must precede worship. But the tendency of most people is to skip the hard part and get right to the good stuff. After all, who wants to experience the pain of the knife? We'd rather get to the feast. Repentance is hard. Introspection makes us feel uneasy. Taking up our cross and denying ourselves is no fun. We'd rather go right to the celebration. But I want to remind us this morning, Unless one's worship flows out of a life that is consecrated to God, our worship is meaningless. Can I say that again? Unless our worship flows out of a life that is consecrated to God, our worship is meaningless. And thus we must first cut the sin out of our lives, separate ourselves from the world, dedicate ourselves wholly to God. How many people today, I hate to say it, but how many people today, they love to enter into that worship experience, as some might call it, but they fail to live consecrated lives. You remember God said to the people, right, his people in the Old Testament, he says, listen, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Live your life the way I've called you to live before you come and you offer your sacrifices of worship. The Apostle Paul wrote, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Consecration must precede worship. And then the second lesson we learn is this, is worship must precede the battle. Eventually, now listen, eventually the people were going to have to get up from this place and get to the work of defeating the enemy. And we'll never accomplish what God has called us to accomplish if we stay forever at Gilgal. And, it, and there are some people, they just like to be at Gilgal. You know, I just want to pray. I just want to, like, confess my sin. I just want to stay in this moment. And they never get up and do anything significant for the kingdom of God. They just keep on running back to Gilgal. Eventually, the people were going to have to get up from Gilgal and go and conquer the land. On the other hand, worship, or we might say the building of our relationship with God, must precede our work for God. You hear that, church? 
The building of our relationship with God must precede our work for God. Our worship must precede our work. Do we understand that this morning? Our worship must precede our work. Worship must precede the battle. Why? Because, you see, worship reminds us of our true goal. Listen, our goal is not, first of all, the blessing of the promised land. Our goal is not, first of all, oh, that we can go around and say, oh, I'm living my life filled with purpose and, you know, and, and all this positive stuff in my life and the blessings of God are on me. No, no, no. Our goal is not, first of all, the blessings of the promised land. Our goal is the blessing of knowing the one from whom all blessings flow. And everything we are and all that we have, the life that we live, all flows out of our relationship with God through Christ. And we can, we can end up spinning our wheels, working and working and working so hard, going out there. We're going to conquer the land. We're going to fight the battles. We're going to build the kingdom and so forth. But if our, if, if our relationship with God is out of whack, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to count. We're going to find ourselves always at a deficit. There are times in our lives when we need to stop at Gilgal, that place of worship. There are times when we need to come back to that place where we simply sit at Jesus' feet and we worship him for who he is and we thank him for all he's done. And rather than rushing through life and trying to get it all done, how many of us are like that? You know, my hand's up high, you know. We need to slow down enough to build our relationship with our beloved. We take time to honor him and to thank him and love him and worship him. And as we do, we find ourselves being strengthened for that which lies ahead. So time and again, we come back to Gilgal, that place of worship. As I was preparing and praying this morning for our message, I'm like, God, right now, I just need a Gilgal moment. I just need a Gilgal moment where I just know your presence at work in my life. I need that Gilgal moment. Notice in chapter 5, verses 11 through 12, Luciano, if you come, please, thank you. But we read there that they ate some of the produce of the land there at Gilgal. That is, after the people had set up their memorial, circumcised themselves, and celebrated the Passover, they began to experience a new blessing. They began to experience the blessing of the promised land. You see, it was truly a new day for them. Notice, the manna stopped coming. And instead, they began to eat of the fruit of the new life that God had for them. At Gilgal, God gave to them a taste of the wonderful things he had in store for them in the days to come. Truly, the old was passing away. I can just imagine something. Oh, no, no, we're used to manna. We want the manna. We like it the way it was. And God's like, no, 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 I got something better. I got something new. The old was passing away. The new was coming. The new was coming. So the manna stopped, and the people began to eat of the fruit of the land, the land that God had for them. Listen, at Gilgal, here's the thing. At Gilgal, when we come to our Gilgal, we begin to receive a foretaste of the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says that in Christ, every spiritual blessing is ours. 
And it's when we come to Gilgal that we begin to taste just a little bit of what that means, the presence of God, the blessing of God, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the peace of Christ at work in our hearts, newness of life, renewed hearts and minds. We can go on and on. Listen, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. I ask you this morning, have you taken time to stop and to taste of the goodness of the Lord? You can come to church. You can sing the Lord is good. But have you tasted of his goodness for yourself? Oh, if you're here this morning or maybe you're online with us and you say, I don't really know what that means. I just want to invite you. I want to encourage you to stop. Maybe you begin to pray a prayer of faith. And to say, God, I need you. And so I put my faith in you and in all that you've done for me through your son, Jesus. And begin to taste of the forgiveness of God. Begin to taste of the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God, as by his Holy Spirit, he comes into your life to forgive you and to make you new and to give you new hope. Lord, today I give my life to you to follow after you, to live for you. Church, is God asking some of us to maybe take some time at Gilgal? I was thinking, in some ways, our Sunday worship is meant to be a weekly Gilgal. People say, well, you know, why do I have to go to church? I can, like, worship online or, you know, we're thankful for those of you online. We're glad that you're there with us. Or some people say, "I, I don't really need to go to church. I can just live my own, you know, life, you know. But see, Sunday worship as we come into this sanctuary together as God's people is meant to be for us a weekly Gilgal. I understand the kingdom of God is not really built and expanded within the walls of this building. The real work is done outside these walls, right? But we come together week after week that we might be reminded of all that God has done for us through Christ. That we might take time, like instead of being at home vacuuming or mowing your lawn or doing your office work or whatever, that we take time to examine ourselves, rededicate ourselves to Christ, that we might build our relationship with him through worship and the word. Yeah, this is meant to be a weekly Gilgal. Beyond that, you know, there's that personal Gilgal that God has for each of us. And maybe God's saying to you today, listen, stop, wait, time out. God might be calling some of us here today to linger a little bit longer at Gilgal, to evaluate, to prioritize, to build a memorial, to repent, to renew your commitment to him, to put some things in order, maybe simply to worship and build relationship with him, to sit at Jesus' feet. I want to suggest to us today that each of us needs to regularly return to Gilgal. We need to regularly return to that place of remembrance, of consecration and worship. It's so easy for us to just get on with life and just keep going and going and going. But there's times when we need to step back and take a breath and wait in the presence of God. Why? Because you see, it's at Gilgal that God prepares us for what's to come. It's at Gilgal that God prepares us for the battles we'll face. It's at Gilgal that God prepares us for the challenges that lay ahead. It's at Gilgal that God prepares us for the life he has for us. 
And it's at Gilgal that we receive a foretaste of the blessings of God that he has for those who love him. It's at Gilgal that God begins to take us into our new day. Oh, how we need a Gilgal. Amen, church? Oh, don't just rush through life. Don't just rush through life. But take time in the presence of God to allow his Holy Spirit and his word to speak to you. That place where you say, oh, God, I remember. I remember how you saved me, how you healed me. Oh, Jesus, I just thank you. As I remember, I remember all the good things you've done in my life in the past. I set up that memorial in my heart, in my mind. A memorial to be passed on to my children and grandchildren and those who come after. God, it's here at Gilgal that I I consecrate myself anew today. I, I allow my heart to be circumcised. I separate myself from the things of this world. I dedicate myself to you. It's at Gilgal that I worship you and I just receive from your presence. We sang it earlier. Your presence is like heaven to me. And I just love the way the Holy Spirit led Pastor Gee. Your presence is healing to me. Your presence is joy to me. Your presence is hope to me. Oh, it's in the presence of God that God prepares us and he gives us a foretaste of everything he has for our lives now and in the days to come on into eternity. Hallelujah. Worship team, would you come? I just want us to take a moment just to sit in the presence of God. Just speak to God for a moment. Just build your own Gilgal right now where you are. We don't need to do anything like weird or mystical this morning, but we just need to sit in the presence of God for a moment. And allow this to be a Gilgal moment for you right now. You know, we're not going to stay here forever. Eventually, we have to move on from Gilgal, right? But let this be a Gilgal moment for you. As you remember and give thanks for the things God has done in your life. As you consecrate your life to God anew today. God, here's my life. Here's my heart. I will serve no other gods but you alone. As you worship him this morning with all that's in you. Lord, as we sit here in this place, as we make this this one of the many Gilgal moments that we so desperately need in our lives, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch each person, touch each life. 